You are listening to the Daily Homily for Magdala in the Holy Land. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said, and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with the man? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Our psalm today invites us to join in that prayer that's millennial. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. And little children are happy with Christmas goodies and with presents and toys. But this is why we sing at Christmas. We sing the goodness of the Lord. The goodness of the Lord. It's interesting to note, you know, how psalms and song work. They say that St. Augustine was very successful teaching the faith because he composed so many uh, songs, and St. Ambrose, especially the one who baptized St. Augustine. And we have many of those hymns we still use. And when you start singing the truths of your identity, they come more and more deeply inside your heart. And here we have, forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. But the Psalm 89 is a very David-centered psalm. And what we read in the book of Samuel from Nathan is exactly the content of this psalm, processed by the people, by God's people who process the promise he made to David. And this is a promise that had many, many travails in being fulfilled. And if you just read the words, what Nathan said on behalf of God to David, 
I will raise up your heir after you, sprung from your loins, and I will make his kingdom firm. The problem is that <clears throat> for 500 years, since the exile, more than 500 years, there is no successor of David. They had kings up to the time of the exile with all their human uh, qualities and failures. Some of them were very successful economically, business-wise, like Ahab at the time of Elijah the prophet. Obviously, David and Solomon remained the major idealistic uh, dream of the Jewish expectation for a king, and that's still reflected in the names of so many people, David and Shlomo, Solomon. And now they are five, more than five centuries without a king. And God hasn't forgotten his promise. And God has a way of doing things when we think all is gone array, all is gone out of whack, all is in vain, it's fruitless. And we tend to give up so easily. And then we have this angel coming from Nazareth to a girl, a teenager, who is betrothed to Joseph of the house of David. That's not just a little frill, a little, little bit of icing on a corner of the cake. That is central. And it's central to our understanding of Jesus. And it's central also to our understanding of God as faithful and to our understanding of God as keeping his promises. Even if we are unfaithful, he will never be unfaithful. And this culminates really on Calvary, and there we see the king, the king of the Jews, written over in three languages, and the king who pardons those who crucified him, all of us. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. This is the reason for Christmas. The reason for Christmas is to sing the goodness of the Lord. It's not the candy. That's an expression of it. It's not the decorations. That's an expression of it. It's not the wreath preparing for it. That's an expression of it. It's not the Christmas tree. It's an expression of it. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. And we find this also in Romans today. And this is a very long paragraph, and it's only one sentence. Brothers and sisters, to him who can strengthen you, and then it goes on, according to the proclamation of Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret for long ages, but now manifested, to him, the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever and ever. So this is our lives and these lines of Paul allow us to enter in there and to put all our glory in God. This is Christmas. How much glory we give to rock stars. How much glory we give to football stars. If you were to analyze the, the media coverage of sports, of entertainment, of rock stars, of certain political leaders, of uh, Olympic medalists, of Eurovision Song Contest, how much glory is poured
poured on these people that sometimes ruins them. And we should be putting the glory in God. To this God be glory forever and ever. Because God promises then to Mary, the angel says on behalf of God, like Nathan said to David on behalf of God, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And earlier in the text, it says, he will be great and will be called son of the most high, same language. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. This gospel message, message, this Gabriel's message is not given to somebody in China or Ireland or South Africa or Alaska or Chile or New Zealand or Oceania. And it's given to a Jewish girl in a Jewish town 2000 years ago. And they were expecting the Messiah to come, but they didn't have the line of David in the throne. And after 500 years, the promise is he will sit on the throne and the throne is Calvary. And the throne is him risen from the dead, the firstborn. And he brings all the transgressors back like an extraordinarily good king that's able to redeem his lost people. Made in the image and likeness of God. What an incredible, powerful God we have. The power of God. And it's a power that's in goodness. It's not a power that's autocratic. It's not a power that's uh, despotic. It's not a power that's dictatorship. He asks her, would you like to be my mother? And he lets her express her wish and her readiness and her doubts and her present momentary vision that it's impossible. I don't know man. But the power of God will come upon you. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And the angel left her and she was left there alone. Mother of the Son of the Most High. Who will sit on the throne of David forever. For our redemption. And she says, behold the handmaid of the Lord. Here I am to serve this mystery. And I think those are lines that can be a blessing for me personally today. I'm 36 years a priest. And I ask you to pray for me also at this Mass and at other times to become a better priest, to become more involved in God's mystery, in the mystery of Christ. And following this example of Mary, a humble servant of the Lord, and there is nothing for me in this world because it's all passing. All the kings of this world disappear. It's forever in glory with God. To him be glory forever and ever. And now let us forever sing the goodness of the Lord. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to learn more about Magdala, follow us on YouTube and on Facebook.